Hello and welcome to the Everyday Hair Colorist podcast number three. Today's special guest is Siobhan Jones, who's gone from working for a massive corporation to opening up her own boutique salon. And I'd like to welcome Siobhan Jones to the table. Hello, how are you? I'm great, Siobhan. Thanks for coming in today. Oh my God, it's a pleasure. I know, we're sat here with our glasses of water. Glasses of water. We're so, we're so clean, aren't we? We're so clean And living. hydrated. Look and at hydrated, us. indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you and I are both super, super commercial. Um, sure. And we've sometimes even been mocked for it, really. <laughs> yes, but, you know, we took it on the chin, didn't we? <laughs> Always took it on the chin. But the reality, of course, is that the everyday colourists behind working behind the chair really needs relatable people to look to for inspiration mm-hmm. and for hair colour ideas. And um, I'd been thinking about it for a while doing this podcast and you were definitely on my list to bring to the table. So for the audience who might not know you, mm-hmm. um, you had a massive career with a really large chain of salons. What was mm-hmm. your role in there? Um, so I basically started uh, with Headmasters, which is a large, large salon group. And my role started off as being part of the art team. And then I then um, quickly became like the head of colour uh, for the brand. Um, the brand, for those of you that don't know, like their whole ethos is actually commercial, commercial wearable colour, commercial wearable hair. And that was something when I first joined the company that, you know, really like lured me into, the, into them, um, purely because there wasn't really that many salon groups on the market at the time that were offering services and imagery for clients um and for me my taste you know my taste I loved I love that you know I love creating something that I know will make someone look more beautiful um and making them appear better um and you know you know making them look more alluring um so for me it was like a really you know it was a big challenge to be able to have to work within an industry that was full of, you know, undercuts and, you know, bold colours and avant-garde. And, and avant-garde hair, which is, you know, you know, don't get me wrong, it's it's fantastic in its own right, but it wasn't something that kind of drew me in. Um, so my, our challenge and my challenge, you know, as the role as head of colour for headmasters was to not only create something that I loved and the clients loved, but try to excite the colourists with something similar yeah. Well, absolutely. And I yeah. think that if you look back at the last decade, really, I and mean, it's sort of 2010, and I'm not saying 2010 because that's when I came back to the UK, <laughs> but from sort of 2010 onwards, it really has been the decade of the colourist, hasn't mm-hmm. it? It really has. And there's been this sort of cultural shift within the industry and that it's been recognised that the way in which you can lure people back into the salon is to sell stuff that mm-hmm. people want to wear. Mm-hmm. Totally, 100%. So you've just broken out on your own haven't you you've I just have. gone yes it's just happened independent setting up your own salon mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about that um so the whole idea is that i wanted to create um a brand again that was kind of uh, targeting the consumer uh, but i wanted to target not only you know the way that we did the hair but we wanted to i wanted to create something that was more personable in itself as well so um i created a small boutique salon uh, which has smaller number of chairs only five but then the whole ethos around it is that we focus on the consultation so i've actually created uh, a consultation area um which um i don't know if those of you that may have seen that's the the place that gets the imagery done the most it's the kind of instagrammable area absolutely (laughs) and that has to be a huge that it really does and that you know for me 
has not only, you know, it's been free publicity for me. So every time a client comes in, they sit in this Instagrammable area, which involves a swing, you know, a plush, like pink. A swing? (laughs) Yeah, a swing. Very Instagram. I mean, yes, it is. It's covered in roses, you know, and it's, you know, got these really fantastic coffee table books. um, And it just looks really Instagram beautiful and fun. But that is where we then do our consultations. The consultations um, are done in this area purely because we want people to feel like they're at home. Um, Because I found that um, often a client will come in, they'll sit in a, you know, in a chair in the salon, and then they get told, you know, or asked, what are we doing today? (laughs) Just in that accent. I don't know why that accent happens. (laughs) What are we doing today? (laughs) That angry sort of accent. As if, go away, you're not doing me a favour. I mean, that immediately sets off alarm bells, doesn't it? Yeah. So that is a... Brilliant segue into Mm -hmm. the first statement, really, which we all have heard, especially with Mm -hmm. our time at L'Oreal. It was a a huge conversation. And that is that 97 out of 100 hairdressers feel like they give a consultation. But unfortunately, only 3% of clients feel they get one. That's ridiculous, isn't it? It's such a disconnect, isn't it? And, you know, in my last podcast, if you haven't caught it, (laughs) it, um, I talk about how I do a consultation and it has to be incredibly personal and intimate and also incredibly safe yeah uh um, because at at that time people bring so much to the table don't they yeah they do how do you make people feel safe well um as I mentioned you know having a nice area to sit in I think is good but I think also I think making the client aware that it's not just about the color that you're doing um, it's actually about them and you getting to know them. Um, so often I think what I would often do in a consultation kind of zone is I wouldn't start with what we're doing today. It would be more about kind of, you know, questions about their daily life, where they've been, what they've been up to and just kind of start to kind of ease them in. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, how's your day been? Could be a nice starting point. Absolutely. Um, not, <laughs> that's, you know, Unless it's been terrible and they start venting. Terrible. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Then you move on swiftly. Um, if they've got the tube, then don't ask them anything. <laughs> <laughs> don't bother I can move on um, and then from there um, then you start to kind of see and feel the client start to warm up a little bit and then I think it's the, then the time to start talking about what you're going to be doing with the hair yes. and what the plan is because yes. um, people do need to warm up Believe it or not, I think this is quite a funny thing to think about, but, you know, we are hairdressers, we work in a salon, we work surrounding the hair community, so we live, breathe, and we are consumed by hair. Absolutely, yes, definitely. Believe it or not, clients that aren't hairdressers and aren't in a hair community don't live, breathe, and uh, hair, and aren't consumed by hair. Um, They're actually living their daily lives. Um, and yes, they are coming to get their hair done, but they're not thinking about it every single second of the day. Well, if they did, I think that's alarm bells ringing <laughs> yeah, too, isn't it? Because exactly. then it's like, that's going to be maybe possibly a difficult client. No, so, yeah, totally. And so what I mean by that is, you know, when, when we then ask them what we're going to be doing today, they haven't been thinking about it every single second or every single moment. They actually probably have just got it got there and then gone, ah, ah, what? I don't know. Let's... Well, think about this. One of the ways I kind of try and counteract that is that I sort of instruct uh, the reception team to make sure the clients know to bring images in with them. Fantastic, and to, yeah. to do their homework. Brilliant. And um, I talk about it uh, probably the same way as you really, as in mm-hmm. a journey. Mm-hmm. And although some people sort of... Uh, dismiss that yeah. I think that it really is a journey when it's a personal relationship with someone isn't it and that yeah. you have to they have to gain your trust of course and yeah. you or you have to gain their trust rather yeah and um 
it is not always sort of one stop, is it? It mm-hmm. could be two or three, that kind yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, really? no, it really is. And I think the journey is the, probably the most important thing because so many clients, and I, you know, I have it. They we, they use Instagram to find their hairstylist or yeah. their colorist, um, and they see an image that they, that person has created, and they go, "Oh, I just want that right now." Um, and I think that. Most of the time, probably 99.9% of the time, it's maybe not possible to get exactly that within one appointment um, unless, you know, they're almost there already or, yes. you, know, they, you know, they're already on that journey. A few minor adjustments. Exactly. That, yeah. you know, that can happen. So I think talking about a journey is really important and not just, you know, not just the journey that they're on now, but maybe a future journey that they may want to go on. Absolutely. Um, Because I think people are really enticed by change at the minute. Um, Be it, as as you said, a few minor adjustments. I think people do like the idea of feeling like their hair's being tweaked and kind of, you know, adjusted each and every appointment rather than just sticking with the same thing. And it really is though, isn't it? Because I think Mm -hmm. that if you look at it in terms of, we used to sort of say change it for spring and summer and then change it sort of Mm -hmm. fall or winter, autumn, autumn, sorry, I'm in England. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But the reality is that every single time somebody comes in, we're doing a little bit of corrective work on there with all the other factors that have gone on outside of our control. Yeah. And that it's always changing and evolving because fashion is changing and Mm -hmm. evolving, isn't it? Fascinating start. So one million women would return to the salon if we could get their shade right. And what I really wanted to talk to mm-hmm. you today is about the humble tint, mm-hmm. the the all over global application. Yeah. I think so often it is perceived by the public as they just slapping it on. And mm-hmm. that has to be an issue with us as technicians, mm-hmm. not necessarily you and me or yeah. many of you listening, but somewhere along the line, someone's perceived as just throwing a tint on. And a client equates that with going into boots or, you know, super drug or whatever it is mm-hmm. and picking up a box and slapping that box on at home. There, there seems to be no skill set mm-hmm. involved in it. And the other day, somebody was talking to me and they, it was somebody in the hairdressing industry and they said, well, you know, that's just a tint. And I'm like, it's never just a tint mm-hmm. because no. that's what frightens me yeah so i've got some stats for you okay and um it's kind of scary but i thought that if we talk about those we can then talk about how we approach tints differently yep. you know how maybe we could help other people and mm-hmm. for those of you listening of course it'd be great to hear how you approach it so here we go with the stats. So eight out of 10 women have colored their hair at least once in their life in the UK, which is quite a fascinating amount that's, of people, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that's good, isn't it? It is good. You absolutely. Know, it's, good for, it's good for us. It's good for us, definitely. It's, and I think, you know, there was a period where the focus was on trying to get those people that don't color their hair to color their hair. Um, obviously, we want to still do that. But I mean, it's good to know that people have thought about it. And they they, they, de- they desire colouring their hair. That's they good. do desire mm-hmm. colouring their hair. And I think that recently some of the stats out there are saying that people are coming back to the salon. Because, as I said earlier, earlier it is the decade of the colourist. And it's a really mm. exciting time to be a colourist rather than a cutter. And for yeah. you cutters out there, I'm really sorry about that. But colouring <laughs> has its time, its moment. I do moment. feel empowered. They feel colorist. so empowered. <laughs> But so two in three people colour their hair at home. Right. And so when you look at the split on that, 47% mm. of people colour their hair at home of the ones that colour their hair. Yeah. 
which I'm like, oh gosh, it's so disappointing Mm -hmm. that people feel Mm -hmm. that they have to, that they can do it at home. They don't see a value Mm -hmm. in coming to us. They, and that could be monetary, but that also could be the experiential piece, yeah. couldn't it? And mm-hmm. we talked about Instagram and experiential a little bit earlier with your salon. Mm-hmm. And we'll come back to that. But then of that, the rest of that split, 25% do their colour in the salon and only in the salon. So right. th- we're sort of safe there yeah. with that 25%. But it's a very it's a small, small slice of the pie, isn't it? Yeah. And that's across all price points as well. Mm-hmm. So we're not just talking super high end. We're also talking at the entry level as mm-hmm. well. Then you've got this 8% that have hairdressers that come to the house and do their hair at home. Mm-hmm. So that could be mobile hairdressers, that could be hairdressers that possibly work in a salon and are doing clients on the side, which mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of. Yeah. Um, but if you're a mobile hairdresser and that's your business, I'm a great fan of that because that's much more professional. Mm-hmm. They don't go in and do the colour and then leave the client with the tint on and go of off course, to the next yeah. one, which mm-hmm. is horrific. And then you've got this 20% that go to the salon, mm-hmm. but also do their hair at home. So if we're talking about global applications, that we call this 20% mixers. And they obviously see this idea that they can replicate what's done in the salon mm-hmm. at home. And um, in fact, this weekend there was an article in the Daily Mail and I was talking and they were like, yeah, we do it at home. And the comments were horrific. But how do you think, how, how do you, or how do you intend to do that in your new salon how do you intend to speak to that client the mixer well the mixer i think for me the reason you've got to first think about why are they doing that okay so you know why are they coming into the salon sometimes and then choosing not to come in the other times well i think (laughs) it's because basically it's same as last time which is what the hairdresser says Uh and you know guys i think we've probably all maybe said that somewhere along the line but i think it's not cool at all and then it's mix it up somewhere and then come on and slap it on and there's been no thought process in it. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you feel about it? So, I mean, our biggest thing at the minute, as I mentioned, so in my new salon, Rose and Wild Hair, um, our big thing is that we want to um, be more personable as a client um, and create, we're kind of selling ourselves as the salon that listens because we want to spend a lot of time listening to the client's needs. Um, So that would mean, you know, okay, yes, Sometimes it may feel like it's similar to the time before or, you know, as the time before. So same again, but there will always be a slight change that's needed. Absolutely. Be it that you're taking the colour all the way through from root to tip. Are you, you know, weaving pieces out and taking it through? Are you using more than one shade or two shades or three shades to take it through? Are you using different colours within it? Are you using different brands within it? Are you leaving it on for different amounts of time? There are so many different changes that you can make, even if the same ultimate result is the same. Or similar. Or similar, yeah. Similar, yeah. Um, So I would make sure that when I'm speaking with my client, I'm not only going, you know, do you like your hair now? I'd say, is there anything that you find that you maybe want to change a little bit? Or is there, or, you know, and if they're not seeing it, then I then t- start to look at it myself. Um, I'm a big advocate for, like, creating a colour that works well with the style and the haircut and the way that they're, you know, they're working their hair. Um, and often, as we know, colour will fade. Sometimes it fades in a nice way. Uh, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't, yeah. Exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge fan of mm. the... Um, weaving pieces through yeah. and not pulling it all the way through because I personally, unless it's one of those kind of colours that becomes a statement yeah. colour, 
I like a lot of variation in it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always encouraging people to kind of keep that natural it's the, yeah, totally. feel to mm-hmm. it. But I do worry that, uh, and I've seen it, I've seen people just apply a tint and they've got that big, big ass pro tip yeah, brush. Uh-huh. And it's sort of on and they're rinsed and you've got a line. It's yeah. like, what happened there yeah. in that communication level? And mm-hmm. I think, I personally think that's where it suddenly starts going wrong. Yeah. That um, this is when people think, right, that's it. I'm, I'm off to boots. Yeah. I'm, I'm off to super I'm, drug. I'm doing it. You know. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it's making clients aware. De- definitely the difference of product that we use in salon is, you know, it's it's high end. It, we also, we don't, we don't just choose the color that we're using. We choose the peroxides that we're using as well. Yes. Which generally, you know, if you buy that from a supermarket, you're not going to be able to get that, which will often then mean that they're using high, high um, peroxides, which then will cause sensitivity to the hair, which then will cause colour fade, which then actually is putting them in a more difficult situation than it would be in the salon. Yeah. Um, If they're not aware that that's what's happening, then they will just assume, you know, assume that that's the norm. But, so, you know, so we need to make sure that, that then, are, are you saying that we as an industry don't talk about what mm-hmm. we're doing and should be actually speaking to the reason we're doing this, the mm-hmm. reason we're doing that, instead of just sat there talking about our weekend, how are you doing, you know, where are you going, mm-hmm. actually start communicating about the different levels of developer? Mm-hmm. Because there's a fine line, isn't there, between turning someone off with the super technical yeah. and we know that the language we speak to a client in is different language to how we speak to each other in the dispensary. Definitely. yeah. But the communication aspect of talking to a client about... I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that should be the emphasis of the conversation? It's so important. And as you said, we don't need to be too technical, but they do want to know what you're kind of doing. So yeah. I don't need to say, oh, yes, I'm using this exact vol, but I might just say I'm using a, a slightly softer, you know, peroxide on the ends, you know, to ensure that we're not oversensitizing the hair. Yeah. That that in itself is enough for a client to understand and know that you're doing that little bit extra for them. Um, one of the key things I notice that happens with people that have full head colours, so tints, is they always find that their hair colour fades off brassy. <laughs> and like for me, that's a really good way of making sure they keep coming into the salon because we can do everything in our power to ensure that we stop that from happening yeah. by the use of different peroxides. In well, it, you know. pulling 20 volt through the ends, I'm yeah. afraid you're sorry, you're going to start revealing yeah. some brassy tones, aren't yeah, you? That really? might happen. And until that becomes the new trend. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> War men's for a brunette. Yeah. Uh, not in the UK. Yeah, I don't no. Think. <laughs> cool. Mm-hmm. That's really, really cool. So this humble tint thing, mm-hmm. um, we find that blondes trust us. Yep. Um, it's something like fifty-seven percent of we over-index in blondes. It's right. such this massive yeah. number. And I kind of feel that's because blondes come in for, they have their highlights, they have this, they have that. And mm-hmm. we do all these different services for blondes. So yeah. we get to be blonde focused. Mm-hmm. But what about all the brunettes out there? We under-index in brunettes. The colour split is 33% of brunettes come mm-hmm. to the salon. And I, it sort of worries me because I love a brunette. Yeah. Um, I was one until I went platinum. <laughs> no, actually until I went grey. But um, I love a brunette. And I think there's so many different things you can do with a brunette colour to make them fresh. Um, how do you feel about brunettes? Brunettes are gorgeous. I mean, they're they're the you know they are the ones that have the shiny hair, the glossy hair, the uber luxurious looking hair. So yeah. we do. They're all know, words that clients love to hear. They as love well, don't to they? hear those words. Yeah, and you know they it's easy to achieve those things for a colorist. 
um, on a brunette. So, you know, we do need to make sure that we are kind of focusing our attention on them. I think probably one of the issues can be because I know, you know, whenever I've seen a really bad disaster, home hair colour disaster, it will be someone that's tried to do an at-home balayage or someone that's tried to do their own highlights. Well, we have seen people advertising that, but we won't talk about that, will we? (laughs) Let's not talk about it right now. We'll talk about it in a bit. Episode three. Um, no. <laughs> um, no, but um, but whereas a brunette, um, yes, they can be an at-home disaster, but it's not as like uh, like like vile <laughs> to look at when you look. You know, when you look at a brunette that's been done at home, and although it's bad, it doesn't scream at you that it's bad. You kind of have to look at it to then see all oh, that. It's you know the hair sensitized. It's you know bad fade. You know bad fading. It's looking brassy. The tones aren't working. It doesn't suit the skin tone. Most which... of the brunettes that come to me that have been doing it at home, mm-hmm. if they come to me, it's usually it's gone brassy. Yeah, mm-hmm. all the way through. Which um, and and warm, too warm, too red, too yeah. orange, all of that. And the other thing that I noticed of brunettes who come to me and they've been somewhere else, they're always too dark around the hairline. Yes, it's like, definitely. Yeah. What are people doing out there? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's I always... It's easy to reach, isn't it? Well, <laughs> I think that maybe it goes on first. I never yeah. do a hairline first. Yeah. I mean, you hear people in, in our community saying that they do it first because it's resistant. But I, I kind of feel that that is a... It's like the old-fashioned approach. Yeah, the hair's hair very... Color. It's extremely fine there. Like yes. It's, yeah. Yeah. I mean... So you see a little, a client sees a little bit of regrowth and says, oh, my, cl- my colour hasn't taken. That's an education thing, isn't mm-hmm. it? Because it's only gonna, you're only going to get four weeks out of it and there's going to be a regrowth line on it. Yeah, there no, of course, yeah. If, it, if it's a high percentage of white hair. So I always try and go up half a shade yeah. to a shade lighter around the around face. The, yeah, me too. And I'm an advocate of that within mm-hmm. the industry. And that immediately means that we've got two bowls in yeah. front of us. So suddenly mm-hmm. that whole one bowl fits all yeah. doesn't work. Mm-hmm. What else do you do? So I think definitely, the, you know, lots of bowls are really important because then one, it's showing, showing the client that we're not just putting one colour on and leaving it at that. Right. And one colour means one box. Exactly. Which, you know, it's very rare that a client's going to go out and um, buy loads of, loads of boxes. Well, no, because if um, you think about that, if you think about how much are these boxes of hair colour? Are they mm-hmm. £7, something like that? Yeah. Two boxes is £14. And then if you were to run a demi through that or yeah. for a glaze, mm-hmm. that would be another box that's £21. It starts getting up there to it do starts, all that faffing yeah, does, yourself, yeah. doesn't it? No, it definitely does. <clears throat> um, and then from then, what I then, as I said, I would start looking at the actual haircut and the way that they style their hair. So I'd start looking at how I can not only influence, you know, face shape with the way that I place my tints. Yes. Um, so, you know, by placing maybe a slightly lighter colour throughout the ends than I would on the roots, um, or maybe going deeper around the hairline. Um, not the hairline as in right by the face, but kind of around the ears yes. to give or give the illusion of width. Absolutely, um, you start changing this. You can change yeah. a shape in a sort of a, an illusion yeah, with totally. hair colour, can't you? And that, I think that has... A lot of power because I think going back to what you were saying about cutters and colorists, a lot of clients, a lot of clients that I have, and they might be just, you know, just because they like having long hair. Um, a lot of them don't like actually cutting their hair too much, but they like the idea of having more volume, or they like yes. the idea of the hair looking more textured or layered, but without necessarily have exactly without necessarily having the layer or necessarily having the thickness. So the fact that we can do that as colorists, we can make the hair do these things just with the way that we place our, our colour or our tint on is, is amazing. It's amazing. Absolutely. It's brilliant. It's mm. so much fun. Yeah. It, is, it is the decade of the colourist. 100%. <laughs> 
So brunettes and their hair colour, even mm-hmm. though we under-index in them, we should really be encouraging brunettes to come to the salon. Mm-hmm. Um, brunettes, rich doesn't mean red to yeah. a brunette. It means what to you? Rich just means the shine, it's the depth, it's yeah. kind of, it's multi-tonal in you know when you look at it you can see it's got so many layers of color to it yes it's not flat it's not opaque it's not dense you know so brilliant that's what that's how I see it and when you say rich then it doesn't mean okay I'm just going to pick a chocolate color off and put that on because actually yes it's a lovely tone but it's not the tone of everyone's dreams to have every single strand painted in it no and I think often when we go back to you know we were talking about consultation like I would never do a consultation without using an image and I know that you said you spoke about this earlier and when why that's so important to me is because when someone says brown I then show them an image and it's very rare that they'll pick out a picture of one a color that looks the same color from root to tip evenly spread everywhere. Well that's the mm-hmm. we teach we teach everyone don't mm-hmm. we yeah. to get an even color at school yeah. from root to tip. Yeah. And that, there is an art form and there and is it's, a it's skill important. set. It's yes. important. So you know, you know, you know what you need to do and the steps to do it. It's, you're creating the foundation to your skill set, aren't you? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that when somebody comes to you mm-hmm. within the salon environment that they don't want it even from yeah. root to tip, do they? Mm. They want some variation in there. They want it to look natural. Why don't I say that in inverted commas? Yeah. <laughs> um, because, of course, natural to one is not necessarily natural to another. But um, <laughs> um, So I found it quite funny. So I did um, the L'Oreal colour degree. I can't even remember, quite a while away, a while ago, maybe 10 years ago. Right. And um, when I did it, at that time, the trend was to have cut the same colour from root to tip because it was, at, you know, the trend within L'Oreal was we were going to do a tint and it was about being really even, evenly spread with colour. Whereas now I've spoken to a lot of people that are doing the colour degree now um, and they've even said that the way that it's taught is slightly different um, in that you still learn how to do an even colour from root to tip, but the models that then come in aren't expecting that. Don't so want it. They don't want it. So it makes it, you know, it's kind of hard to... Um, to do it. To do it, actually, yes. yes. So it's really important to know the, you know, the skill set to, in order to, to achieve it and the techniques and, you know, how, how you would then base your mixing, etc. But actually what the clients are wanting, even when they're saying they want one brown colour, when they come in and actually the consultation starts to come into play, it's it may, it's very clear that that isn't exactly what they want either. Well, no, because it could end up looking like a wig really quickly, yeah. couldn't it? Yeah. I found mm-hmm. I found that quite difficult because I had spent so much of my career in the states, mm-hmm. and the state they were in the states again super commercial. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that a lot of uh, there was a lot of bashing about American hairdressers, yeah. but I don't think that's true. I mean, you only have to look at what's coming out of LA and mm-hmm. on TV and everything. And that's the kind of images that women want to look like, like celebrities. Yeah. Um, but what I was always taught over there was to do permanent colour on the roots and mm-hmm. then to do a demi on the ends, which yeah. is what I always do in the salon anyway. Yeah. I never take anything all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not my cup of tea at all. So what's really interesting for me is one of the things that I do, which isn't technically right. And we all know the difference between product mm-hmm. company technical yeah. and commercial technical, don't mm-hmm. we? Because we're always doing these, we work at a rapid pace yes. you know, when you've got a line of clients and mm-hmm. you know, your 12 o'clock's crying and your one o'clock's come early and your nine o'clock from this morning has found one piece on the top of her head she doesn't like. You know, if that's your kind of day, it's a disaster, isn't it? But we know what that's like. 
you so, know, product brands, they do have to be, you know, they do have to have rules there. Of course otherwise, they do. Otherwise it would be the Wild West, it? Chaos it? out there. God. Absol- and I think sometimes it is chaos yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's part of this podcast really is to help, hopefully help smaller salons mm-hmm. and independent people to yeah. maybe look at the ways that other people do things. And so it's really interesting to have you on here and, and the other guests I've got lined up talking about what they do. Mm-hmm. So with uh, a root tint, for instance, and I do think the humble tint is, is the bread and butter of this industry in many mm-hmm. ways. A lot of people want to cover their grey, even though there's a trend for letting it go natural, uh, naturally grey at the moment. The, the majority of people don't want to do that. They want to cover up their grey. So when I do a, a, a root tint, I always seem to do a, like a mini root stretch these days. Yeah. And that it's no, there's, so there's no lines, no demarcation lines. So I really like to go in and sort of feather it down, sort of in a sort of teardrop shape. Even if it's just a regular basic tint, it's no longer a basic tint. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do? Um, so one, I'd be making sure that the brush that I'm using is is of good quality. Um, what I mean by that is I don't like anything where the brush is too wiry. So no, I don't. a tip where it will kind of flow, oh, feather light as you apply it on the hair, purely because we don't want any lines, do we? So no. that's like our, you know, fundamentally that's what we don't want. And if someone's coming in to get their regrowth done or do their forehead tint every four to six weeks, um, if we're just layering it thickly with a wiry brush, that's going to give us the heaviest line we've ever seen so yeah, and probably build up with some bands in there as exactly. well exactly yeah. oh that'd be nice but great if you love a color change so <laughs> color correction um so yeah i would ensure that i was using a brush that had like soft feather like tips that you could then sweep um the tint from the root down yeah um then i would be working with generally i tend to work with either like a weaved type application where i then will melt through colors that mimic the root color yes along with something else perhaps so um as you mentioned earlier, like a lot of brunettes generally don't like to be too warm unless they're looking for that warmer shade. Yes, unless they're t- going into a copper or, or something a, like that. Yeah, yeah an auburn or, or something. Auburn. But we know warmer shades will often sh- shine more. Yes. So what I tend to do is I tend to use something more flat um, or neutral on the roots. And then I would freehand that through on areas. But then in, in, in between that, then I would maybe use like a richer or kind of more warmer brunette shade that's weaved through the ends in right. between all of that colour. So, so a real nice variation in tone. Exactly. And yeah. then that means we're getting that nice cool result from the, the majority of the brunette that we've chosen. But then we've then got a shade within there that will then really kind of help to hit the sunlight and give you a really nice intense shine. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Really nice. I tend to do a bit of that, the feathering. Mm-hmm. I also like to sometimes paint just a few little pieces on there. Mm-hmm. Obviously not going to the root on a brunette, but a, you know, a little face frame of balayage really soft in there Gorgeous. and then let the colour run through it mm-hmm. after I've rinsed that part of it. And that always gives you a nice little light tone, yeah. obviously not too much mm-hmm. because then she becomes a blonde and I don't know a brunette that comes in to be a brunette that wants <laughs> yeah. to go out blonde. But, you know, you never these know. things happen. You don't know, do you? <laughs> <laughs> but again, you know, it's it's thinking about like the imagery, you know, going back to that. So I keep talking about it, but it's just so important to me. So when we look at images, often, you know, there are similarities between the blondes and the brunettes, actually. Like you'll find that the root is maybe slightly deeper. Yes. Around the face is slightly lighter. Maybe the tips of the hair are slightly lighter. And that is what we're doing is, you know, we're, we're simulating the effect of natural hair in the sun, whether it be red blonde brunettes yes so and we do that when we do our blondes we do balayage we do this gorgeous lighter ends and we do lighter around the face but then you see someone doing a tint 
and it's just brown everywhere. <laughs> Whereas, you know, we still want to simulate that idea um, and that illusion with our, you know, our richer and deeper shades. I love that. I love that analogy that you've just done, that it's like we do it on blondes mm. and basically it's why don't we do it as an industry yeah. on brunettes? And mm. if we did spend a little bit more time on it yeah. and, a, and a deeper thought process and yeah. talked and communicated to the brunettes what we're doing, mm-hmm. maybe not so many of them would do their hair at home. Totally. Well, they won't be able to do that, will they? No. Well, they start watching videos. Yes, unless they're on YouTube. <laughs> on the YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> it happens, but you know. It does. It does. So that's lovely. So in your salon, in mm. your new salon, where's your price point for a tint? So our price point, we've got uh, different prices depending on the uh, level of stylist. Yes. Um, so we're starting at, um, at I think it's something like £70 pounds, right. uh, starting at. Um, and then we do, we're doing kind of little add-on deals where we add, if we want to do a tint amongst maybe balayage or yeah. a tint amongst um, highlights or something like that. Absolutely, people do do that. But yeah. If we go back to the, the tint, so mm-hmm. that's £70. Yeah. But that gets you all of what you just talked about. So we could do, yes, exactly that. So you would do, that's uh, regrowth. And then that would then be free hair. Uh, that regrowth colour could be then balayaged or freehanded free the, yes. free the hair. Yeah, exactly. So they're coming into you and they're, mm-hmm. they're getting a beautiful bespoke tint yeah. mm-hmm. that isn't really a basic tint. No, it's not at all. And we know that that is going to fade out much better yes. than something that's, as you said, you know, slapdash being pulled through the ends where it means that the hair's going to grab it unevenly. You're going to get fade that's going to be uneven. It's going to be patchy. You're not going to get that with something like this because of the way that it blends throughout the hair. That's beautiful. And you're doing virtually all the work on that as well. So the assistant Mm -hmm. is shampooing, obviously, which is an incredibly important moment Mm -hmm. at the backwash. But the majority of the work is done by you all the Mm -hmm. way through or one of your team members is doing that work. Yeah. Yeah. And then we would also do, um, so, you know, imagine you're leaving some of the hair out when you're doing, you're pulling through some of that richer shade. When we then go to shampoo, we would then still use maybe a toner on the hair that we've left out. Now, do you say toner or do you say glaze? So I say colour wash, but I said toner because... Because people know what that is. Um, so that's what seems to be kind of, that's, you know, around around the world, people seem to understand that. But we, yes. we call it a colour wash. Lovely. I'm, um, glad, I'm glad to hear that mm-hmm. you've incorporated a, you know, into a very modern looking salon, mm-hmm. you've incorporated lovely modern language mm-hmm. into it that actually sounds much sexier, yeah. doesn't it? Colour wash. I like the word sexy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think clients like the word sexy yeah. too, you know. Do you know what's quite interesting though? So toner, as I said, it is used, you know, a lot of hairdressers do use the word toner. We know what it means between us. But yeah. actually, the client often doesn't. It's always the one where, you, you know, you go, I'm going to mix a toner. Or you hear someone saying, I'm going to mix a toner. And then the client goes, what does that mean? And I think they often think, oh, it means something's gone wrong. Or well, it, something. I, think, yeah. I think it does. I mean, yeah. usually alarm bells ring when I hear, yeah. hear the word toner. And yeah. then I see a client's like, what's happened? And part of the conversation about modern hair colour mm-hmm. is really about the fact that Colour washes, glazes are an essential part of the service. That yep. You can only do so much with the permanent hair colour mm-hmm. and then it's the second step within the service that you're offering. It's not to correct what you've done wrong. No. And it, I think that's why that language, toner, has such a, a terrible connotation because it's always about something's gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think language is really important, it's really important isn't it, to yeah. communicate. So when you're doing your consult... 
What language do you speak in? So I will speak in a language that the client understands. <laughs> Basically, at the end at, at the end of the day, you want them to understand what you're saying. Absolutely. Um, and everything yeah. I say, I will use imagery to then bring it back to what I mean. So if I'm meaning I want to take it lighter around the face or I'm taking it warmer, um, warmer can mean so many things to too many, so many yes. different people. Yes. Um, I will show and indicate what warmer means to me. And I'll also get the client to do the same. So if they're going, I want to be red, I'll say, oh, you know, show, please show me what, you know, what reds do you like? That's when I'll suddenly realise that they meant gold. Yes. <laughs> and I need to put my, you know, my red... Red, red, red shades down, <laughs> throw it away. Um, so, yeah, so that would be really important to me. I then will then start talking about them as a person. So I don't often like to um, talk too much about trend. Like, I like trend because it gives us ideas. Yes. Um, but I, I am all about creating something for the individual. And we can, you know, use a trend as inspiration, but... You know, at the end of the day, we need to make sure that whatever we're producing or what I'm producing is going to suit the person that I'm doing it on. So, Absolutely. Yeah, so it will, it will always go back to them. So we're talking language mm. and trend. And one of my feelings really is that uh, the clients over the age of, sort of 35, 40, and I can obviously speak to someone being over the age of 40 at mm-hmm. least, um, <laughs> They want to feel relevant, yeah. but I don't think they want to necessarily feel trendy. Mm-hmm. Um, I myself want to feel fashionable and relevant. Yeah. Um, how, how do you communicate that kind of language to a client? Because it's sort of a fine line, isn't it? It's sort of trend, mm-hmm. relevancy. You can tell when somebody feels that they've sort of disappeared off yeah. the view, viewpoint po- of everyone. Mm-hmm. And you want... And really, those are the kind of women that come to the salon and can spend a lot of money in the salon. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you talk relevancy? To be honest, like when it comes to like hair trend, I don't, I won't necessarily talk about that. But I often, I find that people can relate to maybe um, like style trend a lot more because yes. um, what will happen is, as we know, something will hit the runway, and then when it's hit the runway, it will then come to the high street. Yes, and even if someone isn't necessarily following a trend. They're still buying stuff from these shops and without even maybe even knowing it, they're wearing something that's related to a trend. Absolutely. Um, so I will often, again, when I'm coming you know, into, into the consultation, I will use these questions to help me decide on what's going to be the best tone for them. So what colours are in their wardrobe? What colours are they wearing on their nails? What colours are they wearing on their lips? Mm. All of these things are really good indications to me on whether or not certain colours in their hair will work, but also, you know, fundamentally, are they cool or warm? Yes. And where do I need to work with my, you know, with my hair colour? Um, or, you know, the majority of the hair colour. So I don't necessarily need to be as black and white as that and say, yes, what is the trend? You must have this trend or let's make you have this because of this. But I will be definitely looking at elements that they have within their wardrobe, within their styling, and then I'll use that to influence uh, what I then produce on their hair. So I'm, I, I think that's brilliant. And I, I totally get that fact that somebody might say, I am not trend-driven, I am not this, I'm not that, yet mm-hmm. they're wearing the latest piece from Zara or they've got yeah. the hot skirt from M&S mm-hmm. or, you know, it's the, the nice little number from H&M, whatever it is. Because yeah. for me, as far as looking at trends and mm-hmm. looking at what is happening, I always turn to American TV shows, yeah. American current cinema, mm-hmm. as long as it's not, you know, a Marvel comic or a historical drama. Yeah. <laughs> and 
I turned to the Instagram pages of Zara yep. and all of those things because that hair is generally mm-hmm. what the kind of clientele that I want to see yeah. want. And because I do consider myself a high street hair colorist, I don't think it is a, a way to... Um, you know, put somebody down. Mm-hmm. I believe that I, I work behind a chair. It just happens to be on Brompton Road in Knightsbridge, but I work behind the chair. The, the issues that I come across, the majority of people that are going to listen to this podcast, they're coming across those two, aren't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I always feel like those kind of things is where I can pick up the trends. Instagram yes. is, you know, hugely important to us in our industry and everyone seems to be on it. In fact, I spend way too much time on it. Oh, God. Um, I think I've got RSI. Yes, I think I've got that too. (laughs) I like to say it's from all the hair that I'm doing, but I think it's from Instagram flicking. (laughs) But it's it's amazing how many clients come in and they've saved images. So Mm -hmm. obviously Instagram is really important to us as an industry and as business people, small businesses, which which we are, and which I'm no doubt the majority of people that are listening in our small businesses looking Mm -hmm. to, you know, keep on top, discuss ideas, that kind of thing. How does Instagram work for you in your business? And how, it's a two-pronged question. Oh my God, I hope I remember them. (laughs) Exactly. How does it work for you in your business? And how do clients use Instagram when they come into you? So, um... Because I've moved from a you know a big co- uh, big company to a small yeah. company, um, before I didn't necessarily have much to do with the client bookings, um, so I can't really speak for what was happening there. No. But I was actually quite shocked when I opened my business at the amount of people that Instagrammed me to then book an appointment. The majority of our bookings at this moment in time are coming yeah. via our Instagram, which is phenomenal. I have like, loads of direct messages mm-hmm. all the time. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, how do I respond to this? Or do I just put, you know, at Paul Edmonds and yeah. hopefully they'll go back to them? Uh-huh. Because it suddenly becomes consuming, doesn't it? Yeah, no, it does. That's like, yeah, I'm literally, you know, and it's great. And you want people to, you know, try and book an appointment. But it's just a completely different way, you know, that I was expecting. Yeah. I think the reason why that is working is because... We use our Instagram to, you know, show work that we're doing in the salon on that day. And what I would do is I will break down what services have been done. So I would say this client has had full head of balayage, um, a reconstructive treatment, you know, a color wash and a cut and style, et cetera, et cetera. Then the client will then reference that image. That's nice. Use that image um, and then direct message us with that image and say, I would like this. It's also very helpful because then we would then ask them, what what does your hair look like now? So then they will then send us pictures of their hair now. So then, you know, via, I know it's, it's really <laughs> like a time consultation. It? it really is. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, but it's, it's really helpful because we, you know, as much as we would like to have every single person come in and have a consultation at this moment in time, we're not, we're not doing that with every single person. So it's our way of being able to do a mini consultation before them, you know, without them having to come in. To manage it. Um, some clients don't live nearby, so it's harder for them to come in. So yeah. we've, that's how we've decided to manage it. So we've done um, not only that, but we then also send them like a consultation form. Yes. So they then fill in this form before they come and see us and it will have questions relating to stuff that's in their wardrobe, um, nailed varnishes that they wear, what images that they like, you know, key questions like what do they love, what do they hate about their hair? Um, And then it gives us a really good indication of where we need to go or move forward. So you've you've set something up in place really, haven't Mm -hmm. you? I think I've noticed a lot of the American 
uh, hairdressers on Instagram have done this whole thing. DM, if you're going to DM me about an appointment, mm-hmm. most of them are saying don't do it, but the ones that are talking about it are saying that they want clear images, mm-hmm. no, no, obviously no filter, which is, must be really <laughs> yeah. hard for some people because their, their life on Instagram is filtered. Yeah. Um, hair in sunlight, two year hair history. Yeah. They've got all this going on. And I suppose really we can't alienate people from coming in. We want to encourage people to come no, in. So we course. have to work with it, don't we? Yeah, we do. But it's before that, you know, we wouldn't have been able to know what they were having at all. No. And it does show how we're evolving. Because I think, you know, even when I first, so I've been hairdressing for 16 years. And, at the, you know, my first clients that I would, you know, were doing, it was very basic, I would say, you know, yeah. not just because I just learned, but that was also the expectation of clients was smaller, I think. Yes. Um, so you could book someone in and know that you'd get it done in 45 minutes and you'd be fine. Like that's, that's kind of like, but it's not like that anymore. It's is not it? like that anymore. No. So we need to know a lot more about the person to get the booking correct. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm a big, you know, I'd like really do support that. I think trying to, cause we want to gain, we want to gain clients. We want them to feel comfortable to come in. We want them to feel com- comfortable to communicate. So as much conversation that you can get, you know, happening before they've even arrived yes. is great. I think. So really, basically really your online job has just got much bigger. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, it has. But, you know, it's fun. I'm enjoying it. (laughs) Well, as you should. I think new businesses are really exciting Mm -hmm. and also really scary at the same time. Yeah, a combination of the two. But yeah, definitely. It's very exciting and it's great because you can obviously look at issues and then go, I want to deal with that and I'm going to deal with it this way. You know, so that's what's been great about it. I just, I have sort of said nobody can have a booking without a consult. Yeah. And generally that means that they need to come in. Yes. Uh-huh. and have that but of course the reality is that some people see you on Instagram and they live miles away yeah they do and that's yeah. the other thing isn't it you don't necessarily need a, an advertising budget anymore no your Instagram page is that it's amazing I've been doing Skype oh, uh, wow, consultations or F- FaceTime consultations yeah. um, after I've got the images sent to me mm-hmm. in clear light and everything and so yeah. then I, I could do one of those Yep. And then I send them off to a local salon and get them allergy alert tested and they have to Fabulous, take a picture yeah. of it and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not ideal, but the reality is that we need to make ourselves accessible to people. Yeah, we do. Because, you know, if they don't, if they can't do it, then they won't come. Like no. that's that. And, you know, and at the same time, we don't want to, you know, risk anything by just going, yeah, yeah, come, you know, that's, that's fine, whatever. But, you know, we're doing, you know, doing everything in your power to make sure that it's as easy for them and, you know, it works best for you. Absolutely. Because there's nothing worse than having a busy day and then it all being booked God, in wrong nightmare. and it all falls apart around yeah. you. I mean, it's, it's disheartening. It really is. Um, yeah. And you want to make sure that everything that you do and you produce is, you know, to the best of your ability. Absolutely. So, and then yeah. this experiential age, I yeah. can't believe I even managed to say that, but <laughs> well in this done. experiential age, yeah. it is people want to feel, not just mm. have great colour, they yeah. want to feel something, don't they? Yeah, so, they do. And that's that's into the salon and the salon environment, so everything has to run even better. Yeah, yeah, it really does. You know? And it is, going back to like the experience, that is part of it, mm. you know? Otherwise, you know, if they're not gaining a great experience, then, yeah, they will just do it at home. Absolutely. it's comfortable. They can watch, I don't know, something on Netflix and <laughs> put the tint on and get brassy hair. <laughs> we love a bit of brassy hair while watching Netflix. <laughs> so do you think that although we have to go the extra mile mm-hmm. in the sense of the way in which we communicate with people and things we do, do you think it is, in the long term, easier 
or do you think it's just harder? I think in the long term it is easier, yeah. like because you're 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 gaining the trust from a client, aren't yes. you? And once you've built a relationship, that's not easy to lose. If that you know, unless you do something awful, unless um, you don't do what we've already talked about. Yeah, today. exactly. Yeah. But you know, if you you know, when it's it's a fact, you know, after someone's been to visit you, you know, I think it's up to four times. Um, after that, they're yours, pretty much. They're going to be much more loyal to you than they would be if they came yes. one time. Yes. So, yes, there is a lot of groundwork going in, going in there um, to ensure that they're happy and that you, they're understood and they're being listened to and all of these things. And you're, you know, giving them the best color that you can. But that is just building the foundation for of a beautiful, relationship. beautiful relationship. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, mm-hmm. and beautiful hair color as well. Yeah, exactly. So with your consultations, if they come into the salon, do you charge for your consults? So we currently do complimentary consultations. Yeah. So, which is why we w- would like to do as much as we can prior. Um, so with the consultation for, forms online, et cetera. Oh, you've um, got them online, have you? Um, so we basically, so we will um, basically email them yes exactly um so they once they've made their booking we send them the consultation form they fill in all of that which is done online yeah um and then we then receive all that information then it then flags up if there's anything that looks like it's not possible I love that idea. Um, I think that's really really cool so we had someone the other day that had just booked she just wanted highlights she just wanted highlights and I just you know I was asking a few questions you know do you want it like this? Do you like this? She's like, no, just classic highlights. Da, da, da. Anyway, I'd sent it the form. Next time I read the form and basically apparently she had a green tone in her hair, <laughs> which is one of the things that she didn't like about her hair, which I'm, right. you can understand why, um, which then flagged to me that maybe there was something on her hair, yes. um, which thank God we did that because actually it was a tone that needed to be removed in order to get that gorgeous, gorgeous blonde. And was it chlorine or water? Um, or she it- had said she'd been to a spa. Ah, so I don't really know. It's a mineral thing, like probably. yeah, it would, but it was it was green, and I don't know anyone that's worked with green. You, it goes more green. It does go more green, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't matter what you use on it. It's hard yeah. to get it out. I had a client who had a lot of mineral deposit right. in her in where she lived, and yeah. it's a new build as well. Okay, yes. And her hair was electric green. Yeah, from that, and it's, it's just, just so it's hard the to worst. Get out. If you love green, great, and you you're, you're aiming as you for green. As you sit in a beautiful green I'm suit, I'm actually wearing green. That's the funniest thing, but I I love it, you know. And I don't need to try and bleach it out, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay for me. But yeah, no. So that was um a really good way of us being able to stop that awful thing that could have happened on a Saturday. Yes. Um, you know, we made sure that she had incredible hair. We we had, you know, the time in order to deal with that situation. Um, so, yes, we do the consultation online. Really good for the imagery. When they come into the salons, when they come to Rose and Wild, they sit in the consultation area, yes. which is to make, it's made to feel like home. So as I mentioned, it's about feeling comfortable and cozy and, and safe and safe yeah. and away from the busy area of the stations. Yes. So it's just you and them having a conversation like you and me are, you know, Jack, uh, but on a sofa and a swing and a neon sign. It's um, the swing it's that just gets swing. me. Yeah, just... just get on this. Everyone loves getting on that swing. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, so within that zone, that's when we then start to have a real conversation about them and their hair and their hair hopes and their ho- hair dreams. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's the dream, isn't it? In the yeah. consultation, it's finding out what the dream is and it, then totally. being able to plan about what, what's achievable and what isn't in that exactly. moment. Then, exactly. But, but I think women do need to feel safe to talk 100%. about all the things that they hate. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I talk about a lot is that so many hairdressers get 
so uptight and feel taking it all personal when a client starts talking about that, you know, low lights don't work and this doesn't happen and that doesn't happen. And I always try and say to people, don't worry about what the client's saying. Let her get it out because she's giving you so much information. Totally, yeah. And just because a low light went wrong with another technician, Mm -hmm. you'll probably have the tools not to get it wrong. Not to do it. Yeah. And also, like, as you said, she may not have said all these things to her other colourist or her other stylist. You don't know, do you? Um, And that's great. So if I know someone doesn't like this, doesn't like, I'm just not going to do that. Like, you know, I'm going to do it in a way that's, going to ensure that it doesn't end up in the result that she was unhappy with brilliant um, <laughs> um also to be honest I'm, I'm kind of like that once I've done someone's hair as well like you know sometimes we do someone's hair and everything about it is perfect sometimes I finish someone's hair and I think actually maybe it could have been a bit cooler there or a bit whiter there or a bit brighter or lighter or darker or what have you and I'm quite honest about that when I'm with my clients I say next time you know, I'm going to make the front a bit brighter or next time I'm going to do this. And I think it's a great way of like me learning and growing myself as a colorist, but also it's then talking about their next appointment. with. Well, you're sowing a seed, aren't you? You're you're sowing a seed Mm -hmm. and it's like, and that becomes the journey, doesn't it? So we can take this brighter, we can do this. And I think that's a great little game plan. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to Instagram. Yes. So what does your Instagram account say about your salon, do you think? So I think... First of all, what's the... uh, Sorry. First of all, what is the name? Oh, yes. So the Instagram name is at Rosenwildhair. Fantastic. Um, So um, the whole idea is that we're not only promoting the hair that we do, but we're promoting the the feeling that you gain when you come to the salon. Right. So um, the, the salon is very pastel. So if you've not seen it, it's, there's a lot of pastel pinks, a lot of pastel lavenders, a lot of pastel everything, basically. Instagrammable. It's very Instagrammable. So the same kind of colour colour and palette filters through the Instagram page. So every image will have some kind of colour that will mimic that. Right. Um, we then have hair that we've produced, uh, which is consumer-focused wearable hair, um, be it balayage or it could be a pastel wash, yes. but it's worn in a consumer-focused way. Talking about pastel washes, of yeah. course, that fantastic image you did a couple of years ago oh, in New stop York. It. Um, <laughs> and it was it was violet and lilac, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yeah, but it, was, it yeah. was everywhere I went in the world. Yeah, that image was there. So you know, commercial hair color is not boring. No, 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 totally not. No, one hundred percent not. Um, and it, it doesn't it doesn't mean it's boring at all. Like no. if it suits someone. It looks incredible. Absolutely. And that's that. Like yeah. that's, you know, it's only if you do something and it doesn't quite work that it doesn't... Then you don't photograph it. Yeah, exactly. Then it never you turn happened. the light off, you yes. lock the door and you walk away. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I just had to throw that one in because it just, I mm-hmm. always think, when I think of you, I always think of that image. It's yeah. sort of, I identify you with that image. Yeah. And it was just so beautifully commercial mm-hmm. that you, mm. any woman would have wanted that, yeah. I felt. I think for us at the time, it was a time when no one wanted to even step near something that was classed as a vivid colour. Yes. Um, and I think now there's, see, there's a, all these options and people are maybe a bit more open with their hair colour. Yeah. But um, I just wanted to show that using something that's more vivid and more playful can still be really beautiful. Absolutely. And, and look expensive. And look expensive. And yeah. wanted. And wanted, yeah. yes. I can't have it, unfortunately, but it's fine. I can. You can, yes. Yeah. 
Yes. So sorry, let's go back to your Instagram and what um, it says about you. So yes, yeah, so the pastel salon. tones, yeah. definitely. Um, we have hair that's wearable. Um, it will be hair that's been done on our clients within our salon. So yeah. um, hair that could be achievable. And as I mentioned within it, we will talk through the, the services that we offer for each of those looks. And do you mention your prices in that? We don't put the pricing purely because we have different levels of stylists. Right. But at the top of our Instagram, it links to our price list. Yeah. So then they can then reference the words that we've used Good. to then go back to the pricing and the uh, relevant stylist. Each of the imagery as well, well, then it will say which stylist did it. So, yes. you know, so, so if a client, we had that um, the other day where we had someone who'd seen an image, they saw who'd done the image, they wanted her to recreate the same thing on themselves. Nice. That was great. It's great. Um, it was fantastic because she um, ended up being like Miss Spain. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, so, you know, had a huge following. So just from one image that I posted on Instagram, within a week she was in and then she'd reposted. And then, you know, we gained a lot more following just from that. So mm. it's nice to see the actual comeback of you know, social media. Yes. Because sometimes, you know, you're doing it yourself, especially if you're in a small business like I am. You feel like, is this a waste of time? Is this doing it? Are people listening to what I'm doing? You know, but actually the people are always listening. I think people are mm-hmm. always listening. People are always watching. Yeah. Um, whether <laughs> yeah. they're following you or not, they're yeah, always watching. Yeah, they're there, yeah. Yeah. And, but I think that it's really, really important in this day and age mm-hmm. to make sure that your Instagram account represents who 100%. you are as a business. Yeah. Because I think as soon as it's confused, people don't know why to follow you or, yes. you know, they don't understand what you are. And basically, as you said, it is, it is your shop window at the end of the day. Absolutely. That's that. So yeah. um, for us, you know, being able to do that and for me to be able to do my own marketing for the moment is incredible. Like I think years ago, we wouldn't have, wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to do that at all. Just well, years ago, we media. would have been looking for a, a local magazine, maybe, mm-hmm. um, yeah. in the region or the local, you know, Echo exactly. or whatever it was to get that. Whereas now we have so many platforms. To- totally. So let's talk a bit more about social, I think, because mm-hmm. I think everyone's fascinated yeah. by it, aren't mm-hmm. they? Do, is it a numbers game for you? Are you worried about your numbers or are you worried about interaction? So um, we're a new business, so we don't have, uh, you know, a really, really high number, but we've gained, you know, a lot of following in a small amount of time, which is great. Um, but um, for me, I, as I said, as I've spoken about earlier, I want to see that I'm gaining new clients from what I'm doing. Yes. <laughs> to be how, do, how do you manage that? How do you, so how do you track that? We've just done, we're doing an offer at the moment, actually, right. where people have to quote, they get a um, percentage off their first visit yeah. um, and they have to quote Wild 30. This offer is only being placed on our Instagram. So oh. whenever we sometimes post on our stories and we sometimes post on our imagery. Yeah. Um, and this is just for this month only. It's just so I can monitor how many people are actually looking at the images. Oh, cool. Um, and then also it's gaining us new clients as well. Um, and as I mentioned, we've had some, like, just, as soon as I do that on a story, I can guarantee that I will get DMs straight away from people trying to book in quoting wild 30 yeah um so i know you know so i've you know i've got good peace of mind that it's working it's and people working are listening. For you. that's yeah. good i may need to change it here and there like and that's i think what's important because social media is a great platform but it's always changing yes you know the time of day you should post changes what con- kind of content you should post is always changing what you should be hashtagging is always changing um so i think it's always good to reevaluate what you're doing and not yes. just you know, do the same thing constantly. No, I look at mine all the time yeah. and see what works, what doesn't work. And I, you know, for me, I, I, as you know, I've changed mine because 
a huge part of my business is education as well. Yeah. So I've changed it to more conversations with the community about application and the four gestures, as well as pictures of pretty girls as yeah. well, which helps. Mm-hmm. One of the hardest things for me to do is to, to get images. Yeah. Um, I, we don't have a space to do that. So I yeah. can do that in Battersea, but I can't do that in Knightsbridge. Right, okay. Your, when you built your salon, mm-hmm. did you build it with space in mind for Instagram? So yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, so we're very lucky. We've got two massive um, like windows at the front. So it means that where our Instagrammable area is, we have loads of natural light. Like I, I appreciate we're very lucky. Like it's very rare that you could get that um, in London. But we then also have a space uh, which is to the back of the salon where we use a ring light. And then we've got a, a plain wall, basically. Right. Everything else is colourful. So yeah. we know which one is going to be used for the, the image that we're going to gain for the social media because it's white and it's yeah. got a ring light there and we're off. Cool. Mm-hmm. Do you um, do you have somebody trained specifically in the salon to take your pictures? Like I know a lot of people now mm-hmm. who have got you know young assistants coming up who yeah. are so good on mm-hmm. social. And in fact, I got a couple of people at work who are just amazing. Who yeah. I'm like, give them the phone, and they're like, like this yeah. angle works better than this angle. And I'm like, oh my god, that's so clever. Do you have young people doing that, or have you found? I mean, you're much younger than me anyway. Have you found that well, you've I'm, got the time I'm, I'm to do it? I'm very young and I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, are you very young and you doing? How's it working? Tell me. Um, so currently, at the minute, I've been doing it. So I've been, yeah. I've been working with our team. So right. um, anytime, obviously, sometimes I'm busy, but every time I'm free there and they're free, then we are spending time literally just taking pictures of each other. Which and, the pur- <laughs> so and the purpose of that is is so that we can gain uh, what, what type of image looks good or yes. what angles look what look good and yeah. what looks bad. Even though the hair's not done, it's just giving us a good indication of what we would do for certain types of people. Absolutely. Um, uh, what we're also doing is we are actually we've got a, diff- a training day booked in where we're not only going to be training, but we're going to uh, training on doing the hair, but we're going to be working on gaining great imagery yes so it's kind of like an instagram day so that's going to give us a day where we're going to gain content which we can then use for our instagram yes Uh, but it's also then a great time where we have time between us to actually perfect what we're doing and take tips from each other it's so important isn't it Mm -hmm. because i mean i do content days now yeah regularly do them where i've got somebody filming and i'm filming and we're looking at angles and Mm -hmm. trying to create a signature look for your brand, I think mm-hmm. is really important. Totally. And just playing around with it in a sort of an environment where you're not charging someone and then yeah. asking, can you take a picture and trying to get back to your next client. It, exactly. It's, it's so hard. difficult. It's really hard, isn't and it's, it? And, you know, when you rush taking a picture... It shows. It shows. And actually, whenever I've done that, I think, I'll just quickly just do this. I then get on, you know, get in the taxi or get on the train or wherever I'm going. I look through my pictures and then I go, oh, look, there's a water bottle in the background. Or, yes. <laughs> I don't know, there's like, I don't know, why has that person just walked past? Or, yes. I don't know, just something ridiculous has happened in the picture or and the eyes mo- blinking. And that moment's gone. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. The client's left. Can't you know? I can't see her now for another eight weeks. No. I've not gained an image, which, as I mentioned earlier, is really important and fundamental to me gaining new clients at yes. the minute. So yeah, time is time is definitely needed. A really good way I've actually found, and it doesn't work with everyone because it depends on how confident the client is. I have left my um, phone with them, and then asked them to take selfies. I do the that. ring light. I think yeah. that works better. Yeah, it does. Yeah. We did a I did a campaign with Zoe Owen and we yeah. did this balayage campaign uh-huh. and the the images that were created by the photographer were fantastic and yeah. they were definitely, you know, spot on. 
But I took my ring light with me to that and I gave them all, after they'd done their different sessions, mm-hmm. my phone yeah. and do selfies. And they were extraordinary because they were a little bit more relaxed. Relaxed. And it just how she felt sexy. And so that came across mm-hmm. more. And that's something that I've been doing with influencers that come in and yeah. stuff like that. I've been getting them to take the pictures themselves totally. rather than me trying to get a contrived pose yeah. from them. And because, you, you know, when you're trying to do it, like, we want it to feel lived in. Yes. And when someone's just standing rigid in front of, a fo- like, a phone, it's not that real, is it? You know, no, whereas like, someone it's is... It's like beers in a headlight, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? <laughs> We've done all sorts of things. Like, I had someone, like, shaking a pillow in the background the other day, trying to get wind Aerate in there. No. <laughs> Just, yeah, you know, a magazine might have helped. It might my, have been a bit stronger than a pillow. Do you know? My God, that's so ridiculous. Why didn't I think of a magazine? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, wow. in the moment, I was trying. Yeah. Pillow was there. My God. Okay, we'll get rid of the pillow. Um, but yeah, no, I found when it's just them doing it themselves. Obviously, they know their real angles, so like they're good authentic. angles, and it's authentic. Their hair's moving, their body's moving. It's yeah, it's. So this is a this is one for you, and I again I struggle with this. I, I mean I feel like I struggle with everything, really, to be honest. <laughs> I don't think you do. But it feels you feel like you're doing like that. all right, Jack. <laughs> well, thank you. So they've got this great blow dry that they say they want it to last them for you know the next night or something like oh, that. Oh yeah. And so that's not really the picture you want to take, is it? No. Yeah. You want an Instagram hair, and so mm-hmm. I know that a couple of the sites allow like, do you want Instagram hair, Jack, or do you want yeah. not want it? And I feel like that there are so many things you have to do with a client. And this is where it becomes difficult for me. First of all, they're paying a load of money. Yeah. And, you know, so there's the whole, can I take a picture of you? Can I not kind of thing? And I yeah. understand that some people don't want it, even mm-hmm. if it's great colour. They might let me take a picture of the back. But then it's like the blow dry. And for it to really work on Instagram, I think it's either got to be a little bit more sort of mm. airy. Yeah. Like Zoe does her hair. Zoe always yeah. does her hair quite airy, doesn't it? Because mm-hmm. if it's too... If it's too tight, yeah. mm-hmm. it just doesn't work. And I feel like when I'm doing content days, the more I work with the hair, mm-hmm. obviously it gets better and better and better. But you can't really do that with the client, can you? Yeah. So hold on. How do you, it's, how do you approach it? I think, well, to be honest, it's because it's one of those things. I think there's, to me, this is how I visualise it. So a client, uh, a picture that speaks to a client is like lived in hair. Yes. Whereas a, a picture that speaks to a hairdresser it's normally more sculptured yes. because we appreciate the skill set to achieve that wave or, you know, that right. achieve that placement. Um, so, they, you know, the, how you would take it is very different. Uh, but what I tend to do is I will find out from the client, you know, what we're going for. Yeah. Um, and if they're happy for it to be shaken out. Um, if they're not, then I would then produce something that's going to be more targeting. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. a specific type of person you know um what I mean by that is you know I you know they are completely different so I know they which are. so generally for me I would say on my personal accounts my Instagram at Shivy is more for the hairdresser um yeah. or colorist because I do education as well so um everything I put on there will be something that is I'm trying to speak to the colorist right um everything that we put on our rose and wild hair is for the client speaking to a client yeah so yeah. that's kind of, obviously I have two accounts, so I can, you know, I can put one there and one there. But it's just thinking about, who, you know, who are you targeting? And then maybe, you know, the catchphrase that you put with it will need to be relevant to... Well, yeah, I mean, hashtags and everything are so important, aren't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that when I when I talk about it on Instagram, because my, my account, like I say, does talk to a lot of hairdressers, mm-hmm. 
on there. The, yeah. And I know it's such a cliche to say it, but the struggle is real. Yeah. It's capturing images from it the is, salon. Yeah. It's so difficult. And I just think that, is it because I'm just slow at this and that I'm not deft? Or <laughs> is it because I can't get the client in the right pose? Or does the hair never speak to me? Like, <laughs> yeah. It speaks to me when I look at it, but when I look at it on camera, it it's doesn't so funny, speak to me. It? Yeah. It's so hard. And I think that the other thing, of course, if you're running a business, mm. you don't want your staff spending 30 minutes yeah. trying to capture that perfect mm-hmm. image. And clients are time poor. Yeah. You actually want stuff working. Yeah, no, of course. Don't you? Yeah. Because they, they, to make mm. money to, to pay the bills mm-hmm. and everything. And for them to make money to pay their bills too. So it's really, yeah. I think it's such a fine line. And some people seem to do it so, so well. I, 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 I do know there are a lot of businesses that actually allow time after their appointment time to take these photos. Right. Um, so you've got to just within your business or, you know, build it in, build it in if, if that, if you feel it necessary. Yeah. Um, do you build it in yet? Or so are you... we, yeah, so we have like a little bit of extra time. Yeah. And um, we haven't said it specifically for that, but we do allow ourselves that bit of extra and time. And how long are you giving yourself? You give yourself 30 minutes, so 40 it's, minutes, it's an about hour? Th- it's about 30 minutes. Yeah. You do need 30 minutes, but don't you? It's, you know, because you've got to think, if you're on a campaign, you're doing a campaign shoot, the photographer doesn't come and take one photo and leave. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> that, no. Would be, that would be great, wouldn't it? That would so be amazing. It would be like, okay, lunch. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, so it's the same when you're, you know, you're trying to get a great image on your phone. Yes. It's, it's going to be the same, if not harder, because you are not, you know, we're not photographers, you know, yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's about to be a qualification that you need to hit to get your I think so, yeah. I can can see it coming. Like, yeah, definitely. Um, But yeah, so I think time is needed. Or like what you raised, actually having someone within your salon that can be that go-to person, you know, that runs and works with the doing the imagery at the end once you finish the hair. My American friends all seem to do it really, really well because they yeah. have tons of staff. Right, yeah. And they're, they're, of course, in the States, you have to go to school. Yeah. You don't, you don't train in a salon or anything like that. So uh-huh. they've all come fully licensed. And then to work in a good salon, you're assisting. And so they're all working on that. And you might have four or five assistants for one person. And yeah. they can do that. But, of course, it's much harder yeah. in the UK to find it all but I think that we have to find mm. we have to find a way don't we yeah really. well, as I mentioned it's really 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 key to gaining clients I do think yeah. the majority of clients are going to social media to find their new hair colorist yeah. um, to book their new hair color so I you know it is essential to the business not just to have a beautiful account mm. it's not just about that it's actually gaining new business yes absolutely mm-hmm. I mean that's the point of it isn't yeah. it really it's not mm-hmm. just uh it's not just a, an ego thing. It's actually yeah. part of your business. Totally. So I'm going to ask you, um, which one? Facebook or Instagram? Uh, Instagram. Do you use Facebook? Um, yes, we do have it for the business. Yeah. We get less um, feedback from Facebook. Yeah. But I don't know why. But we, we do post a lot on there. But it's right. just because at the minute I'm trying to find out what's happening. Do, so you have a, do you have a Jack Howard Facebook? Yes, so I have one for that. I made a terrible mistake on that. I had done, I'd been in India working mm-hmm. and I did um, a sponsored post in India right. for, to attract people to the post that I was doing. Right. And I ended up with uh, like 4,000 Indian guys following me thinking I'm a pretty girl. <laughs> Went terribly wrong. Um, oh. And even this morning, one of them was uh, said, oh, so beautiful. And I was like, oh, dear. 
<laughs> do, what do you do? So you're getting you're getting following, but maybe not the following that you need. Exactly, to Exactly, that not sense, the right, right one. Okay. But I mean, I do use um, the Instagram page because it's great for when I'm mm-hmm. doing education events and I can do sponsored posts around the region. Yeah. But my go-to is Instagram as well, right, just yeah. like you. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. And finally, Siobhan, mm-hmm. as, as we um, we're not quite ready to close up, but finally, young people mm-hmm. getting young people back into the industry. Yep. Uh, we know that the industry as a whole is really struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of think it's the way we train them, the way they treat it in the salon, mm-hmm. the way we pay them. But obviously it's easy for me to say that because I don't have any staff. It's yeah. just Jack Howard and all the staff. It's Your all, staff's great. Yeah, my staff's great. <laughs> Always behaving themselves. Uh, everyone's on a gig economy with me. But so... First of all, do you have any assistance in the salon? Um, we do. Yes, we do. Brilliant. Um, so we, I was, this is an area, again, it's a small business. So I wanted to wait until I could find the perfect person. Yes. And luckily she came. So that's, that's great. Um, I mean, I think it's important to have a print. We want to be training people within the industry. Yes. Without doing that, we're not going to have the industry isn't going to last for very long, is no, it? No, it's not. And um, I think that the harder it is to find assistance, the current model yeah. that we have of uh, assistance and then doing everything for, you know, the senior staff and everything, yep. it can't support it. No, It yeah. becomes really hard. And I know that lots of people are struggling. So carry on, tell me. Yes, yeah, so we will have someone um, and we basically will ensure that we're giving her enough training. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is based on training. Um, and to be honest, we will be kind of working with her in all areas of the business. So I think typically, I think a, an apprentice or an assistant would be the person that came, swept the floor, washed the hair, and then that would be kind of it. Yeah. Whereas we're kind of making responsibility a little bit higher in regards to like showing them how to be kind of front of house um and like you know so they gain skills that are going to actually be really really valuable to them when they do become well it's funny um, because mm -hmm. when I trained which was a long long time ago Mm -hmm. I had to do front of house as well yeah but I I still feel that I can greet somebody when they come in obviously but I also feel I can take a cup of coffee downstairs or bring one up and sweep up and clean up and you know god forbid I even actually wash a bowl occasionally uh and I always wash my tin brushes because you know that's that's sacred so are you encouraging all your team members to take a bigger role in looking after the whole general well-being of each other so every so everyone does everything. Yeah. Like there, it's it's very rare you'll see someone sitting on their ass. Like it's kind of you know unless they're on their break. Um, but What's like, a break? <laughs> What's a break? Um, they can have breaks sometimes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no. Um, so we do encourage everyone to do every everything because actually I think that's how I learn. Yes. And that is how I've been able to open a business because yes. I know every area within the business. Yes. Um, I didn't. I, I wouldn't have been able to do that if I was only singly learn like taught how to do one thing um so I think it's really important within the industry whether you want to working within that area or not it's really important that it you know you learn it um and I think from the beginning that's kind of what we want to encourage so are we going to see you out in schools talking to young people about how wonderful this industry how diverse it is are we going to see you doing that anytime soon we definitely yeah 100% I think I think it's it's a scary time for us because we are all aware of the you know the the issue that we have in trying to find people to join our industry. Yes, and it's it's crazy because I don't know what I would have done with, if I hadn't have done done this. And I you know I I sit with my friends at dinner and all of them 
pretty much, you know, yeah, they are. They're all pretty jealous of my job, to be honest, because I love it. You know, I, I get paid well. You know, I enjoy going in. I'm, yes. you know, I'm happy. I get to meet people. I constantly have people telling me how happy they are with the result of what I've done. Yeah, um, we're one of the very few industries where we get we get fantastic feedback most of the time. Yeah, you know? we do. So people don't complain, do they, yeah. like that? Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's incredible. And then there's so many different kind of avenues that you can go down. Yes. Um, whereas I think in a lot of, you know, industries, you are kind of... That's it. That's it. And you're doing that and that's it. Whereas, you know, I, I didn't always think I wanted to open a business. It's just as my mind and my, you know, my kind of thoughts have changed. I've, you know, I've been able and been lucky enough to be able to change with it within the industry that I'm doing. It's brilliant. It's not a job though, is it? It's a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. Yeah, definitely. It's <laughs> great. Well, thank you very much for coming in for episode two, Siobhan. Thank you for it's inviting me. great talking to you and best of luck to you Thanks with your so new much. business. Thank you very much. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did making it for you. Don't forget to subscribe on your channel that you download your podcasts from. iTunes is my favourite, but I know there are others out there. And also, if you want to follow me on stories on Instagram, it's Jack Howard Colour, C-O-L-O-R, the American way, not the English way. And on Facebook, it's Jack Howard Colour, C-O-L-O-R. And my website is www.jackhowardcolour.com.